Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. And we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It's Inside the Ropes, episode number 63. Extraordinary. Uh, lovely to be here with you again. Load to get through today. Um, we'll be doing it with Mark Hayes as we always do. Hello, Hazy. Hello, Murray. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to do this one. There's so many aspects to it that uh, are warm to my heart. You've got covering your heart is your Toronto Blue Jays t-shirt. Um, <laughs> any hopes of them in the playoff picture this year? <laughs> Probably not yeah, um, challenging to too I much knew, in the, the Major League question. Baseball department <laughs> this year, but I'd say 2023, look out. Who's who's led, who's been dominant in the AL East this year, Hazy? Um, it's hard to say, Andy, because I know that, that on the top of the standings, there's a lot of Boston Red Sox words up there, but there's so many players who've been bought from other teams. I'm not sure who they're representing. Hi, Joe. How are you, Joe? Oh, I'm to have you on the show. <laughs> How are you going, Joe? Yep. Very, very well. I'm still getting over the fact that Collingwood made the grand final. I haven't, I haven't ventured across to Northern America yet. <laughs> I, well, I thought we had, that was a we were, it was a no go zone mentioning the fact. Oh, was that, it? Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. That they were even there in the first place. Well so, done to all the Eagles. Two evil, two evil empires playing one another. If you weren't, if you didn't barry for either of them, it was tough. You sort mm-hmm. of didn't want there to be a winner, really, mm-hmm. did you? You, you wanted know, a, a good like match, that. and we certainly got that. Yeah, and congratulations mm-hmm. for all Sydney Roosters fans oh, out there. They how, got, how good were they? They were perfect. They were perfect early when they needed mm-hmm. to be. They were near on perfect. That was the best forty minutes of the league you'll yeah, see, probably. Yeah, they, um, if there is such a thing. Um, there you go. There's an editorial comment for you for somebody who's been brought up south of the border. So there you go. I shouldn't say that too because we've got some good friends from Melbourne Storm down in the neck of the woods. No, they were fantastic. Uh, we're going a big show today. Kate Palmer is going to join us, the CEO of Sport Australia. Now, there's movement at the station when it comes to one golf. And I know you two are very, very close to the epicentre of that. So we'll talk to Kate Palmer, who observes the way sport is governed, sports are governed um, in this country, and in a role at Sport Australia, uh, let's be honest, plays a very significant one when it comes to funding going out to sports, who it is incumbent upon them to do it properly if they want the sort of assistance that Sport Australia can give. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Kate's mm. view is of the mm. way golf is um, handling itself. We haven't had her in the studio yet, but my my memories of her is she's a you know a um a very learned woman, and she's oh, she's one of the most impressive administrators in Australian sport, no doubt. There's no doubt about that. I'll be fascinated to see her objective opinion of what golf is doing. Well, can I say one thing on that? And your view on this, Joe, I'll be as interested in Hazy's, but interested in both. She's the first CEO, first female CEO of Sport Australia, and a bet's been going for about 40 years uh, under the guise of the Australian Sports Commission prior to this. When you think about kind of entrenched um, challenges for a woman to achieve that sort of office in any mm. area. 
mm. of administration, whether it be business or sport or politics or whatever it might be in Australia, um, it's a significant achievement that um, and, and underlines just how equipped um, and talented she is to yeah. assume a position like that. The Most certainly a, has, yeah. a real inspiration in terms of how many attitudes and cultural elements she would have sort of had to you know, manoeuvre her way, way through mm. and in her position now is really becoming the catalyst for more women to get into the positions like like hers and ma- paving that pathway so it's a little bit easier for the next generation coming through. So, yeah, no, looking forward to having her in. Here, here. And we'll cross over to Singapore uh, where our very own Justin Falconer uh, is standing by to, um, to discuss uh, the Australian charge. A couple of real-life chances at the Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship. We all know what's on the line there. And we've got we've got a couple of real chances over there this year. Six live ones, yep. Andy. Six yep. fair income chances of uh, getting to the Masters and getting to the Open and uh, leaving an indelible mark on Australian amateur golf. And and the biggest the biggest thing we've got to worry about over there this weekend is probably not on the course. Well, it's sort of in the precinct of Sentosa, but with Justin Falconer, Joe... How do you reckon that mop is oh, yeah. going to go in 95% humidity in Singapore? He's going to come back looking like Johnny Platten, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Very nice work from you, Joe. Very nice. <laughs> Sounds like you practiced that line once or twice before you got in. You know? um, righto. Let's, let's, let's stop burying the lead. All of that's important, and, of course, they are the lead. But uh, around Kate Palmer and Justin Falconer, um, can we just go down the Ryder Cup wormhole and take it wherever it takes us before we get to our first break in Kate Palmer. This was um, as compelling as it ever is. It feels like it gets more so for me as every year goes by. Let me kick it off by asking you two, um, is it is it better than the majors now? We only get it once every two years, so we don't get four of them annually. But for me, it's, it's at a whole new level in terms of um, compellingness, watchability, engagement. Uh, I reckon it's, it's given the major championships Winburn the last couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. There's, It's not an individual playing for an individual. It's an individual playing for a team, a group, a country, a continent, um, in Europe's case. So it's – and Molinari himself said that it's better than winning a major. He so, actually said that to Yeah, he's yeah, in our right. court too. Well, mm. it, um, to me, the short answer is yes. It's yeah. gone past it. And as Joe says, if, if the reigning Open champion, the, arguably the top event of those aforementioned majors, says that this is better – then it's case closed. Like the argument's done. Yes. Well, let's leap straight in because there's always there's so many stories that come out, um, you know, from an individual perspective, team perspective, within the teams, and um, and then the numbers that are collated at the end of it all. But the um, the partnership of Tommy Fleetwood and Francesco Molinari was it, it was worth the pr- in inverted commas the price of admission alone. That they were, you know, so I, I imagine when you're a captain. You put these guys together, you, you watch them in the lead-up and you get a sense from them you know, around the various tours that they compete on as to how they sit alongside one another. But sometimes, I guess, you never quite know until you put them in the heat of battle. Well, Tommy Bjorn and his staff and his, you know, the other captains and assistant captains around the place, they got it 100% right with Fleetwood and Molinari, who look like they will for the next you know, three, four, five Ryder Cups just be automatic to play alongside one another and with one another again. They were compelling. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you what else was compelling, Andy, was that video. <laughs> a bit awkward, Hazy, if you ask well, me. Don't, you know, it was, it was beautiful. 
There's a great video done by the European Tour celebrating what they what that pair did. The two of them lying, you know, waking up, waking up, uh, shirtless, right. covered by a sheet, of course, but in the same bed, split by the Ryder Cup itself. I mean, one of the great little videos. You've got to go and see it. Um, it's fantastic. It really was. But could you imagine, like five and O, Francesco Molinari? He was in, going nowhere rapidly at the start of 2018. Mm. And he subsequently mm. won a major and you know, other events and he's had his world-ranking rocket. All pales into insignificance next to going 5-0 and o at the Ryder Cup. The first time that's been done by a European, I believe, Andy and Joe. And, and that is one of the more extraordinary achievements given where he's come from. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm. And I think with Molinari's case too, which brings another element in terms of the, the course, his game just sets up so beautifully for mm. that, that that course and the US the Yanks it just it didn't and that scales back through to all of the the captain's picks mm. Furyk just was pretty disastrous really his picks I think it was DeChambeau Woods Mickelson didn't even share a single point between the the three of them and there's you know look common sense would say that when Mickelson is basically dead last in the um, fairways hit department. It's uh, it was always going to be a, a slog for him to to earn any stripes out there. It's a great uh, point. And it's I, a really good point. I I can't believe that there's so much uh, negativity around the course setup, Andy, from an American perspective. Suck it up, you people. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> suck it up. They've set up a course that plays right into the hands of the strength of their team, which is what Joe's saying. And why wouldn't you? Of course, and what Thomas Bjorn was talking about. Um, all the way through his thing, he picked a team with this in mind mm. and this course. Um, this is a course where you have to use a three iron. Mm. Don't bring your, you know, your, your straight face driver and, and then start your normal bag at six iron or seven iron like Dustin Johnson might have had a normal tool week. Mm. This is, took some thought. Oh, hello. The Europeans who know how to shape shots and, mm. and, and work their way around the course suddenly look a lot more or a lot, um, how do I put this? They look they look dominant mm. in that in that mm. atmosphere, mm. Uh, and and the crowds. I mean, it, the course itself looks relatively nondescript during the French Open week, mm. but with that <laughs> massive humanity across those hills, and the, the visibility that gives the spectators is just off the charts. Awesome. The sound was unrivaled in yeah. world golf, <laughs> and that's why to me the the Ryder Cup goes there because it 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 transcends golf it, it transcends sport you can watch that as a non-golfer and still understand it straight away oh, i couldn't agree with a pair of you more just further to your point about the captain's picks joey the just the the, the skinny at the end of the day the european tommy bjorn's captain's picks combined for nine wins four losses and one one tie and the us were two ten and zip wow so that is a that's a that's a destruction and when you look at how it all played out and what the difference was at the end of the day, well, there's the difference, right? There's your seven points right there. You know? Yeah, there's a really deep strategy in, in team game. There's 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 something that differentiates that to any other sort of regular championship that's um, an individual base. And I think Bjorn, just, he absolutely nailed it in terms of pairings like mm. you spoke about before with Fleetwood and Molinari, that team chemistry adds that extra bit of oomph um, and feeling around around the camp and in essence they just yeah they really just outplayed the US based on on strategy and 
on the course? Well, it was right that Molinari's win over Phil clinched the cup for the Europeans. Phil continues to go through some... I'm certain he's going through a midlife crisis. He put out another <laughs> tweet. You've seen the vision oh, yeah. with the American Stars and Stripes pants and he's doing that <laughs> leg kick, knocking a bottle off something. Karate kid style. What's he doing? What is Phil Mickelson doing? And and so Phil goes zip two and zip, zip and two, and Tiger goes zip and four. What a fantastic um, precursor to the really big show, which, of course, is there. Uh, like I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but this match they're playing in Vegas. Oh, if you didn't have your ticket already for that, you'll be you'll be crossing the street to try and find one, won't you? Like oh, I heard oh, that they're going to rename it. It's not going to be a pay per view. It's going to be a pay to watch. Well, seriously, I like mean, it's, you're going to have to get paid to watch that. Seriously, they uh, they'll have no interest. And after watching interesting golf happen, it yeah. just really highlights to me how Mickey Mouse that's going to be. Um, I want to mention, feel free to just bowl up whatever you want to mention out of the Ryder Cup um, as we kind of free fall our way through it. But Ian Poulter, again, is wrecky. He was 50 50 um, through the Ryder Cup. But his, there were various stages on, and there was a little window of about half an hour on the Sunday in the singles where just enough, there was, there was a lot of American wins starting to accumulate on the top of the board. And you knew that the Europeans were going strong at the back end. So they always looked like they might have had the numbers. But there was just a little period there where uh, momentum seemed to start shifting in about five or six matches simultaneously. And one of the key matches in that period of time was Polter up against Johnson. And it was almost like the minute it started to get a little bit dicey for the Europeans, Ian Polter just got dialed in. And the Ryder Cup polter emerged, and he—I don't know how this works. I don't know how it how it finds itself working its way through groups when they're half a kilometre away from one another. But there is a discernible momentum that occurs mm. in the Ryder Cup, and I reckon polter responded to it somehow. Ian, we're starting to lose control here. We need you to lift. He gets the message from Lee Westwood or Graham McDowell or someone. And bang, Poulter goes into Ryder Cup mode. And it was scintillating to watch what he did to you know, Justin Johnson. You know what the drumbeat is that makes that happen, Andy? Yeah, that, I know. Tim banging That's on him. his chest. <laughs> yeah. How good is it, though? Oh, it's How good is it? It's, you know what his nickname is? Yeah, the postman. The postman. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Brilliant. I read that this week. Oh, that, that's but how, always Joey, delivers. how good is it to mm. watch this? He, he, by any metric that you want to use, Dustin Johnson plays him off golf courses. Hits it further, hits it better, ranked higher, made more money, wins more tournaments. You name it. Dustin Johnson picks up Ian Poulter and carries him around golf courses. <laughs> but for the moment when it had to be done, Poulter stared down the American bear and said, <laughs> "Please, you know, not on my watch. You know, This is where I shine. And what he did to DJ was what the Ryder Cup is. It, it's, it's unpredictable. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The numbers, it makes a liar of the number. Um, See him out, out drove Johnson on the, was the last hole. Yeah. He should never have outdriven him in his life. Johnson could outdrive him left-handed. Going He's on. pumped one past him, stuck a short iron to a couple of feet and just looked up at the huge mm. grandstand there with several thousand people in there. It sounded like several million and just says, give it to me and yeah. give it to these people in red here. You know, yeah. this is... This is Ryder Cup. This is awesome. It was such good golf to watch. It was awesome. Can, before I get to the Americans, can you just say something about the Dane? Oh, well. Just say we'll, something about the Dane, will you? The Thunder Bear. 
Torbjorn Olison. I just, you know, what a what a what an awakening for him. He's come out in the early on the Friday and not done well at all. No, was nice. It was yeah. not pretty to watch, and he was the one who arguably had the most heat on him alongside Garcia. Uh, in terms of being a captain's pick, and he came back out on this in the singles on Sunday and played some of the more extraordinary golf you'll ever see. Didn't miss a shot under the fiercest of pressure. Took down Jordan Spieth, knocked in putts like he was doing it for fun from everywhere on every green. Hats off! This, is, this could be the making of, of a really exceptional player who's fought. He's a really good world golfer. He's travelled around the world mm. to make his mark. He was a regular visitor to Australia. He'll be back here for the World Cup. Uh, but um, that's next level for him. I hope it really opens doors for him. Seems like a really good bloke. So it leads just on Jordan Spieth. Well, before we go, yeah. Andy, just, yeah. sorry, this is very random, but we mentioned Garcia there. Oh, God, yeah, no. I, I'm assuming you've got some thoughts on Garcia, but my <laughs> he, he was probably the man with the most pressure on him. Mm. Uh, with his winning the singles, took him to the all-time leading point scorer in Ryder Cup history. And my favourite line from the whole thing was when he was interviewed about that. And he's had some famous, sort of semi-famous run-ins with Nick Feldo before. And the person asked him what it meant to him. And, of course, he did answer in the, with the, you know, the team, for team first response. But then, you know, when pressed a little bit, he said, it's fantastic to go past some of my heroes and Nick Feldo. <laughs> and I thought, that's gold. That, that'll do. That'll do. Well, and you know, again, before we get away from the Europeans, they did it without Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose, who were their two, you know, their two big, you know, front liners coming in. They did it without that those two firing on all cylinders. Um, McIlroy two and three on the Ryder Cup twenty eighteen, and Rose two and two on the on the Cup for twenty eighteen. So neither of them were really at full operating potential, but such is the nature. And I know you're a big one about this, Joe, you know, kind of like team chemistry and symmetry and all of that sort of stuff. They just got it right. Fleetwood bobs up and who knows what he's going to do with his golfing career from here. And Paul Casey for the back in for the first time in 10 years, he was doing a, one of the, one of the interviews when he and Tyrrell Hatton had a big win on one of the, one of the um, four ball foursomes. Um, he was in tears, Paul Casey, about what it meant to him. Like, mm. just being back, um, reconnecting with the atmosphere that is the Ryder Cup, being part of that team again, it was overwhelming for him. Um, just in the little two-minute on-course post-round interview that is generally, you know, ham and egg stuff for these guys. They do it without giving it a second thought. Yeah. But he was um, he was in tears talking about what it meant to be back before mm. The whole thing had been done. Yeah, it brings us back to that initial thought that you had at the start of the segment where this, for many, is it's bigger than a major. Yeah. And those names of those veterans, Casey, um, Poulter that we've talked about, Stenson, Garcia, they played a significant part. And the US equivalents just were missing. Well, what about Johnny Rahm when he made the putt to beat Tiger? <laughs> he... For, for, 20 seconds, it's complete out-of-body stuff. You know, it, it's the stuff that Scotty felt at Augusta. Mm. But often they don't. You know, it doesn't look like they don't quite go where these guys go when they win these key matches. And then he had to realise, well, I've just been Tiger, and he sort of snapped back into this, oh, thank you, Mr. Woods. What a pleasure it is to play against you. You know, I'm sorry I've beaten you. But um, they, they are – it does take them places where normal tour victories, dare I say even major championship victories – 
often don't they don't often go there. It's it's funny. That's why the Ryder Cup is so phenomenal because you you see people for who they are and what they want it to be mm. rather than the staid projection that is expected. Uh, Paul Casey, I'm, we could talk all day about all this sort of yeah, stuff. Paul, Paul Casey's you know spent most of his uh, professional life based in the US. Mike Clayton's written a really great story about how um, Seve rallied to rally the Europeans to a cause to prove that the European tour was up to speed with the, with the PGA equivalent across the Atlantic. Um, it, I, I encourage people to go and read it on golf.org.au. Paul Casey's a living example of that. He's, he's put up with a lot of crap from no doubt from people saying, you know, you're just European, you're this, that, the other. Hmm. He was visibly moved uh, it's something that you can't necessarily say for the Americans on the other side of it, Andy. And, and that's what Clayton's point is. You know, it doesn't mean as much to them perhaps as it does to the Europeans. I'm not sure what oh, you I think, think you're 100% that. right. And this uh, this comes through not only in the kind of occasional indifference that you see from the players, and we know now that the wheels have fallen off after this thing with Patrick Reed, who's nobody's favourite player, coming out afterwards and saying he got blindsided by... Jim Furyk, he didn't know that he was going to be playing with Jordan Spieth. I bring out the best in Jordan Spieth. Look at our record. We should have been playing together. And um, subsequent to that, those comments being made, one of the insiders from the American team who wasn't named in a New York Times piece but was quite happy to volunteer his observations about how this all played out has said that Reid, um, it's not how it played out at all, that he was begging to play with Tiger begging to be Tiger's partner. So um, so Reed's come out and, for whatever reason, feathered his own nest as a result of it, but it wasn't, according to an insider on the American team, anything close to resembling the truth. So they have a loss. They don't stick together. There's no sense of team. It's, there's always a... Well, Patrick Reed's decided to take himself outside of the inner sanctum and very much look after his own interests publicly, which is not what you want to do. No, a valued member of a team like this. No, and I, I, you know, he has he has no allies within the media, and the American media is coming for something to scapegoat this massive loss. Uh, He's an he's easy pickings for them in that instance, and the fact that his wife started dishing out tweets midway through the tournament about picking fights with people and trying to say what her version of the truth was, oh. it, it doesn't help his cause in the slightest. And then again, to deny it because it's not an official account. and da, 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 da. He's digging a very yeah, big hole is. for himself rapidly. And, and you wonder why there's this um, pull towards the Europeans or why the Europeans always go in as underdogs, despite the fact that they've won nine of the last 12 mm. and are bulletproof at home. I think they've won six straight now on European soil. Um, it's largely to do with the brashness of the American team going in, fueled by this overzealous <laughs> media that always wants to say, this is going to be embarrassing. It's going to be embarrassing what we're going to do to those Europeans I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Well, if his name is... Uh, Alan Woodduck. Alan Woodduck, a.k.a. Alan Shipnuck, who earlier this year, and on the back of the President's Cup triumph for the Americans over the hapless international team, said that this was arguably the greatest team ever assembled on a golfing course. Um, the Americans would not only wipe the Europeans, they would go on and create dynasties in the President's Cup and Ryder Cup for years and years to come, and we'll always talk about this generation. 
Congratulations, Alan. That is the single worst piece of journalism in the history of the written oh, word. No, I reckon it's equal to another one of his pieces, which was when he barracked against Mark Leishman um, when he went into the final round because mm. Leishman doesn't have a story. There's no good story attached to this bloke. Yeah, that's true. He ain't got a good he, story to tell. He's, got a, he's building up quite the resume of, you know, he'll have two size 12s in his mouth for the next few weeks. He cannot, he cannot legitimately ask a European tour player question, a question now. Uh, and expect them to be remotely fair income with him. So, oh, well, then Patrick Reed can go and talk to him with Patrick Reed's missus. Maybe you need a piece or slice of your humble pie that you were eating last last week. That, that's true. Mm. That's true. I ate a fair bit of it, Joe. So there may not be much <laughs> left. Um, can we? I know t- the tiger tiger became a bit of a negative phenomena in this Ryder Cup. What did you make of his body language? What were you when you were watching him, Joey? What were you seeing from Tiger? He's just time? flat, flat. And I don't know whether it's something to do with coming off the back of a great win at the Tour Championship. I don't know whether he was emotionally, physically, mentally sapped. That's all I can put it down to. Or the team dynamics, which were obviously going awfully wrong behind the scenes. But yeah, no, he's just flat. I don't don't think it was for lack of trying, Andy, because you mentioned the rally that the Americans made briefly on the Sunday singles. You know, he rolled in an eagle on nine and then a birdie on 12, I think, from memory against Rahm to get back to square. And he was as pumped and up about it as you could ever see. Not saying he wasn't flat, Joe, but mm. like just the fact that he was so animated about, you know, rolling in a couple of good putts sort of showed me that he was trying. Mm. He's trying, mm. yeah. But he couldn't find a smile at mm. any stage during the week, and I think you need to be, you know, loose and enjoying the week for, you know, if nothing else. Thirteen and twenty-one years, Andy. It's mm. unbelievable, mate. And you know, Reed, for example, was going to get heat for one bad. Uh, Ryder Cup here, but you know, you can have one bad Ryder Cup. You can have two bad Ryder Cups. Still get selected. 13 and 21 is a huge body of work, not to mention the fact that he's arguably the greatest golfer of all time while compiling that. Mm. Um, you know, and there's, that's largely compiled when there hasn't been dramas and injuries. 13 and 21, it's... Oh, the psychology around Tiger in this format of yeah. the game is a fascination to me. We're all amateur psychologists mm. um, from time to time. I certainly have no expertise in this area at all, but um, he doesn't seem capable of lifting when he's playing. He, he doesn't. I don't know whether he does necessarily um, have the type of on-course persona that invites his playing partner, his teammate, mm. to engage and connect and be with him and slap and hat five mm. fives. And compare the way Molinari and, and... And they were winning, so it's easy to be up and about when you're winning. But it, it, you, you don't get that sense from Tiger that he very much gets in his own little bubble... That's why he's lived his life. And when you're looking for a little yeah. bit of connection and come on, we're in this together type stuff, I don't know whether it's overtly and obviously visible. Got a theory for you, Andy. Go on. Someone I respect their writing has speculated that the intimidation factor with which Tiger sort of pounds opponents in traditional stroke play events mm. is adversely affecting his teammates in Ryder Cup play. So that not it's not against the European players. They're just out there to do their thing and roll on with the team. But the players who his side, his, uh, side has paired him with, who are invariably world-class players, just by virtue of the American ranking and the fact that they don't want to put a dud with Tiger Woods, yeah. can't handle the pressure of it. They're trying to appease Tiger. They're trying to make sure they don't let Tiger down. They, they're just trying to be part of something bigger. 
as opposed to staying in the moment. I think it's a fascinating theory, to be honest. That it is. His intimidation goes the wrong way in team events. Rather so. than working with them, it's almost like they're working for him. Correct. <laughs> and that relationship just doesn't correlate to performance. I, I don't know. Everyone's got really right to their, you know, their own observations. That one sort of rings a bit true to me because not only did he not play well himself, he brought others down. When he was when he was paired with them, Reed played much better in the singles than he did mm. in the mm. pairs match. So, I... look, he has admitted that he was, you know, he found it hard to find energy. It's been a big year for him. Um, there was the extraordinary reality, and it was confirmed after a while. And I'm glad somebody on the course actually raised the point because on the on one of the days I can't remember which which phase of the Ryder Cup it was, but he appeared wearing his wet weathers, his pants, wet weather pants, and it wasn't raining. There was no chance of it raining. And about seven or eight holes in, I think Sam Torrance might have mentioned, is he wearing the wet weathers? And, and then a hole or two later, the on-course guy said, as a matter of fact, he is. And we've just been told it's to keep him warm mm. through the... We know he's had trouble loosening his glutes in the past. He's talked about that. Activating. Uh, active, sorry, activating <laughs> the glute. Uh, maybe he wanted to make sure that they stayed active. Um, in all the right ways. You know what I mean? I'll tell you this. We've gone down a few rabbit holes here, Andy. You just yeah, you went very know. close to the top of another one. to be talking about Tiger's active glutes, do we, Joe, on this show? No, no. no. You can get yourself out of that, that hole. Um, so, so 17 and a half to 10 and a half they win, which is fantastic. And um, all power to them. And, and, and to me, it, it, you, you've been saying yourself the last few uh, episodes of Inside the Ropes how – you get more enjoyment out of watching the European tour sometimes these days. And and Mm. it's reached a tipping point, I reckon, where, I mean, statistically, clearly it has in the Ryder Cup sense, but I think people are starting to just bend a little bit off the the USPGA tour being the be-all and end-all. Mate, Mm. I hope that, and we've lamented the fact that um, on a weekly basis as as we go through, you know, Australian performances, uh, around the world, we've lamented the fact that there are some weeks where, but for a Marcus Fraser and a, you know, Jason Scrivener, there's we don't see Australians playing in Europe, and um, it's it's a frustration because the golf is uh, competitive, it's financial. You're probably playing a more diverse no range of golf courses. It's more international. Um, than the Europe, than the American tour is. It takes it's it's much more global mm. tour than than um, the PGA tour is. Um, so for you know, I, I know youngsters like uh, Lucas Herbert, who's a great friend of the podcast. And by the way, the video I need to just mention it. We talked about it last week. It is exceptional. I loved it. The persimmon the the Ballada, it was great to watch. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But I want some of these young Australian guys to um, say, no, no, I'm happy to play here and I'm going to make this home for a while. So hopefully we see more rather than less. Here, here. Pitching their tent on the European tour. <laughs> um, looks like you break out of the way. Kate Palmer is about to join us, the CEO of Sport Australia. Uh, One Golf is heading in all the right directions, gathering the right sort of momentum. We'll talk to her about... Why that's important on the other side of this, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. 
My Golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. G'day, my name's Bob Shearer, the 1982 Australian Open champ. When you're listening on the radio, listen to the ropes for all the news and scoops coming up. Welcome back to the show. Um, we spent a lot of time on Inside the Ropes talking about uh, One Golf, which for I guess for a lot of people out there is a concept rather than a reality. But for you two in particular, Joe and Hazy, it's very much part of what you've been gearing towards and building towards and hoping for for quite some time. And it's taking some fairly significant strides forward in recent times. Yeah, it's you're spot on. It's super positive for the for the game. Um, in that, finally, we can reach a point where we can strategically line um, from top down across the the entire nation. Um, we can resource ourselves appropriately, which might see in terms of um, tangibly in terms of scheduling of events. That sort of thing sort of um, falls into to motion a little bit more. At, at ease. Uh, from a commercial point of view, there's so much growth in maximising our revenue streams, but it's, it's, it's really, really positive. But the, the main aim is really to get all the good people under the one roof and start achieving some great things together. Sounds about right to me, Hazy. Sounds pretty good. It's, uh, it's logic, Andy, yeah, and, and yeah. You know, to, yeah. to, to have everyone pushing in one direction, finally, or almost everyone. Um, it's just a huge boon for Australian golf, what it could be. Well, somebody who um, takes a great deal of interest in the way sports are governed um, is Kate Palmer, who's the CEO of Sport Australia. She's been good enough to join us on our little podcast here inside the ropes. Kate, delightful to have you in the studio. Thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And in actual fact, to talk about this wonderful topic, it's, uh, it's very exciting for me as well. Uh, and, and can I say, first of all, congratulations, because... I think you are the first. You know, the the first large sport in this country to take a position like this is is extraordinary. And, and congratulations to all of the sport from the state level to the national level. I think it's quite extraordinary. You should. I'm pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, there's a few things that you're doing uh, at Golf Australia that are asking others to be mindful of and follow. I reckon with the 2025. Um, paper that was yep. uh, released about six months ago. And I, I know you launched Change mm. Our Game about a year ago. You were one of the people, Kate, who was quite happy to stand there and suggest that this is something that the rest of Australian sports should take note of. So it's underlining a pretty progressive attitude, which I think is reflected um, from a governance perspective in so many elements to do with one golf. Uh, definitely. And, and look, also our Minister, Minister McKenzie, launched Sport 2030 just recently and called out in that uh, document the need for improved governance of sport in this country. And certainly uh, our chair, John Wiley, and the Australian Sports Commission board in that, those days um, you know, had a major push in this area. So to see so much progress and, to sh- and to, I guess, pave the way for other sports because one of the challenges for us is for sports to believe it's possible mm-hmm. and uh, because it's, it's the federated structure is so problematic um, about h- how decisions are made. It slows things down and, and I think... This is the challenge for you now is to actually put your foot down really and uh, and make sure that you move forward really quickly. And I think that's the key. Like we've been probably relatively, well, yes, we have been slow to adapt and maybe not willing to take that risk. But here's our moment where 
rather than having separate employees, separate boards governing the mm. state associations and all of and, and the national association, we can actually properly align and that decision making process can be so much quicker and much more yeah, streamlined yeah. with priorities such as women's and girls with the vision 2025. So it's, it's, I'm really, really excited about it. It's going to take some time to mold in, but, um, you know, we're here day two and it's going to be very, very positive. Well, it's been a long road too. I think that's the other thing that, um, I know this has been a really three to four year journey for you and the way you've done it. And, and we're certainly, um, preparing for a, a governance, new governance program, uh, to be launched early next year. And I was talking to the head of our governance team today and I said, tell me about golf and what have been, what's been key to their success and I think how you've brought your stakeholders on the journey with you because I know it wouldn't have been easy. Um, so making sure that, that it was really coming from top down but bottom up as well mm. so that your states have been driving this. So, mm. you know, mm. good on them. You'd, look, I, I don't think I've seen, I have not seen that. Uh, there's one other sport that I think is pushing from the bottom up, which is uh, hockey, and they may be on the journey as well. But they'll look to you, I suspect, and say, okay, that now tell us that what are the, what are the two or three mm. things that you felt were the moments where it could have gone ahead or, or are not, not happened at all? Mm. So this can be perceived by many, including a lot, no doubt, who are listening, Kate, as being a very dry topic. Oh, um, no, it's, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's I, extraordinary. I agree with you, but I'm sure that's a sentiment out you know, in, yeah. in golf land where people are listening right now. Yeah. But this, the fact that golf's got off its backside collectively yes. and moved in this direction, it really opens up a lot of things that you know, by being the first, mm. give us a, a really, as you say, a tangible sort of opportunity mm. to, to sort of kick a few goals here while there are other sports that are dilly-dallying around the edges. Well, certainly, you know, we, we would, we're we looking for, for good partners and we would see this as a sign of a partner, you know, a sport that we can partner with to deliver. But your members will be looking and participants will be saying, what does this mean for me? And I think you've raised a few of these things. I know your um, uh, the strategy around women into golf is just, you know, fabulous and um, uh, I think that opportunity for participants, you know, we all, all of us, me including, what, included, um, you know, we want to be welcome and included in golf. And I think th these are the sorts of things that uh, when people say, what does, what does one, what does one golf mean? Mm -hmm. Well, it's about, this is, means that golf is for everyone. Uh, that that we actually collective we're a sport that can work together. We you know there'll still be politics, but we're actually going to work through that because we're we're working together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a that makes a big difference to the way people feel about the sport they're involved in. Uh, and you know you feel proud of the fact that you can actually um, join a sport that's progressive and innovative and ready to to make change. Kate, when you say that this is a sport that you'd be prepared and happy to partner. Mm. What what does the support of Sport Australia actually mean in mm. a in a situation like this? Look, well, we you know we're the major investor in sport in this country, and uh, if we're looking for innovation, so we're looking for program ideas and examples that could be could create systemic change. So this is a good example of that. So we will, I can tell you, you, you will be talked about a lot over the coming three years in this new program about how did golf do it. So how do we create systemic change, and then what are the programs? What are the, as a result, what's been the shift in your revenue, and um, could we help? partner you in programs that generate more revenue, that um, launch new programs, that actually um, create an example for, that could be systemic across sport, mm -hmm. across the industry. So it's a strength, it could strengthen the industry. And matters like gender equality, engagement with mm. 
um, broader communities, expanding the reach of the game, all the things that we spend a lot yes. of time talking about on this podcast. And going to what Hazy was saying before, Kate, there might be some blokes out there who are listening to our show, driving to their golf club on a Saturday morning. They park their car on the same, they play with the same three mm-hmm. blokes every Saturday. They've got their plate, they've got their table in the clubhouse. That's all they care. They don't really no, care right. about any of the other stuff. But it's all those other elements that your and your organisation is looking to embrace. Is that absolutely? And yeah. look, we've just launched um, uh, a funding a grants program for older Australians, so it's um, better ageing. Now that you know, that's it, a golf is a, a prime example of a sport that you can play. F- for your whole life, hmm. um, that's the type of thing we would be looking for. Who are the organisations that can, top to bottom, deliver a program that has reach? Uh, that's a good example of a program that we would look at golf and say, well, here's an organisation that um, has got their act together. Hmm. Hmm. So you, you talk to you know chief executives of the various sporting hmm. bodies and countless other people, I'm sure, at the top end of town. That hmm. that's that's your role. Yes. What would you say to someone listening to this? Is it the bottom end like how do they um get in touch with with sport australia and how do they you know have their opinions and thoughts heard and and feel like they matter well look you know that's quite simple i mean we're we're quite open to that i mean it's something that i do every day of my life um uh, but i think the the challenge for me around state bodies i worked at a state um, body level as well and uh i was always of the view that Working with the national body and being totally aligned with the national body would mean that I would be at front of the queue. So if I was, uh, for me, a state body that doesn't want to work with their national body um, is it's not it's not a great thing. And uh, and I, I we when I was the CEO of Netball Victoria, you know, we had a great relationship with Netball Australia, and I suspect you know the states that have come on board with this one golf model. Uh, will will actually benefit enormously from the from the partnership and relationship you had because you can add value. You know, one plus one does equal three. It's just a reality of it. And so I think I would I would encourage any uh, state entity because I can uh, you put yourself in their shoes. They're worried about losing their um, power and influence. They don't need to worry because actually, you know, what we don't none of us own sport. You don't mm. own golf. Mm-hmm. No one owns golf. Anyone in this country can play the uh, play the game, and I think that's um, once we get over the fact that uh, we don't own sport, that p- the participants do, mm. and we put the participants central to what we do. You think about the customer, not whether I'm a body that has enough power to do certain things. So I think you know changing the mindset around how sport works and i think this is where you're going to go on a bit of a journey on that too but i would encourage any state um, board to look at uh, this model and uh, and i look i can tell you we will be um we will be singing it from the rooftops on a regular basis mm. but we'll be looking for the results so we want you to be successful so you know as much support as we can give you to be successful uh, i actually think you're pretty good on your own to be honest with you uh, but um, we certainly would like to support you sometimes it feels like from within we're not moving very very fast but it's very encouraging to me mm. to hear kate speak that mm. the words that you know that we are actually evolving in some ways more rapidly than others. I, you know, it's encouraging, I think. And this is a real opportunity because we're so stayed 
in the people's perception that mm. you know it's great to hear Kate from an outsider's perspective say that we're actually mm. kicking a few goals here and 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 making a difference because um, I think that's what a lot of people would like in their career or their mm. their pastimes or whatever to feel like they're making a difference. So nothing to do with me personally or you, Joe, yourself, but it, the the whole industry finally seems like we're heading in the right direction and I, I can't wait for New South Wales and Western Australia to come on board just so that we can be a fully national not national body and that's uh, you know that's the next step. Can you be as effective as you want to be without those two coming on board? I suppose that'd be you'd have to say no we won't be fully effective without them and that's the positive and that's the the place we want to get to mm. in time. So, yes, we will we'll not probably won't be as fully as efficient as, as possible, but we're definitely going to be more efficient than we are currently currently now. Um, but I think it's just, it's like, from my point of view, it's so important in a time of great technological, you know, innovative change where we need more collaboration, we need more um, cooperation across the across the board, and it's great that Golf are finally singing that song song together yeah. and... I'm really interested to know. Do we? Do you think? Do you see that other sports will catch on to it quickly, or do you think it's going to take maybe some some time? Well, well, in uh, January we're launching a pro- new program, which will be about encouraging sports to do this in a, a way of investment in mm. all of the platforms that would um, move them together more quickly. So you know, it's easier if you're working together to put in a digital platform. It's a financial one financial model about governance, mm. one strategy. Imagine being on the same page and it doesn't mean you do the same things but I think uh, it will happen reasonably quickly it's tough though so you must have been really resilient because I think what happens is you tend to move forward you probably took a few steps forward and then you move back again and I think uh, that's why it's such a good model to follow because you've made it Mm. Uh, and so now it'd be good in you know the next 12 months if you could deliver some good you know strong results and get some benchmarks now so that we can actually measure how far you go so it is it's a a, a tough thing to do I wouldn't underestimate uh, because others have tried before and failed Um, but we you know we're really committed to this we see the future of sport sport in this country does not have the resources Mm. apart from the what you know I call the big boys the you know the big (laughs) commercial sports um, you know they are generating millions and millions of dollars other than that I don't think sports in this country uh, are resourced to have the impact that they if they really are serious Mm. about the future of their game uh, and you obviously are uh, they, they can't afford to do it. You cannot have nine separate legal entities doing similar things, uh, slowing decision-making, mm. uh, you know, I guess the politics of that. And, uh, you know, I just think it's, it's you know, as I said, it's, it's quite remarkable what you have achieved mm. because it will make a massive difference to the future of your game. It always strikes me that people who stand in the way of this sort of progress... Mm are generally doing it from a negative standpoint. Yeah. It's it's fear or greed. Mm. It's generally people wanting to hang on to something that they – and you sort of touched on this earlier – something mm. that they um, deem to be theirs. And the point you made before, Kate, about, well, golf it doesn't belong to anybody. No. Yeah. Golf belongs to everybody. Yeah. Um, and once you can convince people, I mm. suspect – and I wonder whether you know your organisation has a role to play in this – once you convince people who are a bit reluctant to let go that this is for the greater good, um, then you can get past the whatever the negative sort of blockages um, that are there. Look, I, I said, uh, you know, I, 
I think it will need an enormous amount of support to move other uh, support from us to move other sports forward. Mm. There's a real willingness, of course, um, uh, from the national body because they they can see that that big picture. But when you're in a separate market, it's it's a little bit more problematic. But uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not a member of Golf Australia, I don't, but I play golf. So there, and there's you know there's thousands and thousands of people like me out there. Mm. I don't belong to Vic, the the state body here. But I, I belong to golf, mm. and so how you know I think that we've got to put past the separate entities that that think that they I think they're really critical though obviously mm. for delivery at the local level you need to understand your market you need to have um, you know representation the, the you know golf one golf will need to understand what's happening in each state and territory mm. so that they can actually make good decisions so it certainly doesn't take away that. Uh, different market um, uh, jurisdictional responsibility. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it's the future of sport in this country and I, it'd be great to wave a wand and make it happen really quickly because the, as an industry, if we're going to be ser- if we're serious about being in an in industry, you know, we contribute $83 billion a year to the Australian economy. But we're dismissed very easily as an industry uh, until we actually have more... Uh, influence and are really clear about where we're going. So uh, this, for me, is bigger picture than just one sport. This is about a shift to the industry, mm. and That's awesome. uh, mm. and I think if if you're contributing to that and leading the way, then good on you. Mm. So Kate, we almost by default are exposed to so much American mm. television and influence in our lives. You know, and in a sporting sense, we watch you know the WNBA or the NBA, and then compare it to the you know, WNBL and the NBL and golf is the same in that respect. Is that, is that frustrating to what you just said? Um, we are a small, small pool here. We're not the, mm. you know, we're not the Pacific ocean in terms of our economies of scale or our population or anything like that. Is it frustrating for us to, or for everyone to be compared to a big fish like the American sports market or the, you know, FIFA soccer or whatever it is that, that, uh, you know, we can never realistically claim to get to that level. Well, well, I think that's one of the reasons why we need to look at how we governed. Because yeah. if we're going to compete internationally, it needs. If I if I'm a young golfer, I want to know how do I get to the top. Mm. I might want to stop and just be a social golfer, and that's fine as well. Yeah. Uh, but if we're going to compete internationally, and Australia wants to compete, and we should be able mm. to, we've got world class um, people involved in our in our in all of our sports. So. I, I actually think we need to look outside our own backyard, and, I, and, I, and the reality is the structures in Australia, the governance structure. If we start, could start again, mm. we would be very, very different. Mm. We can't start again, so how can we actually improve the model? And so, uh, you know, I, I don't see any reason why. Our, you know, we know. I mean, golf's been produced world champions, the best in the world. So I think, you know, obviously we can do it as a country. But it needs to change. Question without notice, what would your thoughts be on the uh, Golf Australia model, whatever it becomes now, and the professional bodies, the ALPG and the, and the PGA, coming together down the track somewhere? Uh, uh, yeah, look, I, I think it, it, if it means that uh, the entities are working together and adding value to each other, that, then it should happen. Because, it, And it doesn't have uh, – look, there are a range of models. You have to look at what the environment looks like. But I think that the reality is partnerships, collaboration. It seems it's a bit of a throwaway, but the reality is 
we can't as an entity. Sport Australia cannot operate effectively in this country without partners and I don't think any sport entity can. If they think that they can stand alone and not um, work with others, then they, they won't be as successful as they could be. And there are lots of golf bodies. There are lots of, as I said, you know, there are, all of us have an interest. Um, we all should be part of it. We better let you go. Mm. <laughs> Who's going to win the Don next Thursday night? Oh, it's an amazing group, it's isn't good it? Luck. I, good luck I, plucking I one know. of those. Well, I know. Well, luckily, I don't have to make the decision. Oh, you're not so, a, no, no I don't. But it's um, look, I, the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. I think it's a great, um, iconic um, organisation. It's a wonderful celebration of of um, a sport in this country. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming mm-hmm. in and being part Absolute of our show. Absolute pleasure. Kate Palmer, CEO of Sport Australia, joining us as we continue to watch the evolution of One Golf. And great to get a sense from somebody who knows about this at a far broader level than we do of just how important it is. Um, stick around. More to come on Inside the Ropes after this. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Near you, visit swingfit.com.au. Hey guys, it's Brian Ruffin here, and I'm a long way from home playing on the Latin America tour and living in the US, but I keep up with all my Australian golf while listening inside the road. Welcome back to the show. Terrific to have Kate Palmer on the show, and um, very excited to see where all of this all of this develops. I'll tell you, if you're involved in um, WA or New South Wales right now, I think you might be thinking, oh, we need to j- jump on board this thing sooner rather than later. With not putting my Victorian cap on, I'll put my common sense cap on. And it was something that I was just quickly speaking to Where do you get Hazy. Them? Where do you get them? <laughs> but that's what it came down to with speaking to Kate then. It was really, really refreshing. Whilst it's such a significant change um, to, to carry through, the roots of it are common sense. And the roots come down to the people that we're, mm. we're serving and the customers and showcasing our game. So to me, yes, I'm not, I haven't got my Victorian cap on here. I've got my common sense cap on. And yeah, let's keep moving forward because I think there's positive things to come. <laughs> I won't get you too involved too deeply into the kind of politics of it all because I imagine that's probably a reasonably hot potato at the moment so, in some quarters. So, it is. There's yeah. no pressure on New South Wales. No, they do what they It's want, just, yeah. you know, hopefully people among a thousand other voices talking yeah. to them hear that and go, you know what, that actually makes sense. Um, Let's go from one golf to Sentosa Golf Club. Uh, the Asian Pacific Amateur Championship uh, will probably be on, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and we've got um, a real, life, a couple of real life chances, and we've got uh, six of them. Andy. Six of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, <laughs> we, well, we were the out, but for the Chinese charge. Last year in Wellington, yeah. we had the next best. It was yep. Min Woo Lee, and he's going to be right in the middle of it all again this year. Our man on the spot, and we're worried. We're worried for him because he, keeping, as we mentioned in the opening segment, keeping that hair under control <laughs> in the Singapore humidity can be a real issue for Justin Falconer, but he's been good enough to join us. Justin, how are you, great man? I'm good, but my hair's gone all curly in the humidity, and it's, it's not working for me. <laughs> well, I'm envious. <laughs> hey, I've only ever seen, I've only ever seen this golf club on TV, um, and you've got the kind of the industrial mm. harbour 
you know, in the background, that sort of those holes that run out into that part of the golf course. It it does look like a really fun golf course. I think it's built on reclaimed land, if I'm right in saying so. Um, what are your experiences and observations of it? Yeah, it's really interesting golf course. Just looking at it, the boys, our six boys went out this morning. They were off at eight thirty off the tenth, and they um they went out and had a look around and played eighteen holes as, as well, obviously. And yeah, it's um it's pretty narrow in spots, and they were just sort of just come in and just having lunch, and they were just trying to figure out, just talking amongst themselves, different what clubs did off different tees, which way they think the wind would be going, things like that. But um, no, it's a great golf course. It's in it's in outrageous conditions, so green and. The greens are rolling really nicely. The boys kept saying how pure the greens were this morning, so that no, should be good. What sort of player is it going to favour out there this week? Do you think? Who have you got your money on out of our six? Hopefully, an, hopefully an Australian player. <laughs> um, yeah, the rough look—it's not too long, just off the fairway, but getting it long down there is definitely going to help. Um, and we've obviously got a lot of boys who can bomb it down there: David Faluzi, Minwoo, uh, Mother as well, Zach Murray. So. Yeah, look, I mean, if they all, if any of them play uh, anywhere near their best stuff, they'll definitely be up there. If one of them really brings their A game, um, the main threat is the Chinese boys, as it was last year. Obviously, they they got the chocolate flavors last year, but uh, if one of them, one of our boys, can play anywhere near the top of their game, then um, yeah, they should be right up there on Sunday. Is it? Is there a sense, Justin, that you get? Of the nine that have been held so far, there's been three Chinese winners, two Japanese winners, two Korean winners, and two Australian winners. Is there a sense, and I'm going to throw in the Kiwis because they've been thereabouts a couple of times, but that these nations are looking out for each other almost at the exclusion of others, even though there are another probably, where are we, 27, 28 countries involved? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a real, it's a great sort of tournament in that sense that it's obviously where probably don't go to too many tournaments around the world and be one of the leading nations, but we are here in China as well. And yeah, it's a great sense of building the game. I think here there's RNA and obviously Augusta National are, running the show here, and um, yeah, it's obviously getting bigger and bigger. Hideki won the second and third stagings of this tournament um, when it was just when it was young, and now it's 10 years old, and, uh, and I think it's doing great things. There's obviously guys are mingling on the range and in the lunchroom just downstairs there before, and um, no, it should, it's really taken off in the, in the, in the region, you'd say. So Minwoo, um, you know, will be aware of the history, and he'll be aware of, you know, obviously clearly aware of what it means to win it, He's the highest-ranked player going in. I imagine he'd be, you know, resiling away from that. This is not – he's such a gregarious individual. He'd be, he'd be loving the spotlight, wouldn't he? I think he, he is. He's, got a, he's one of our three boys doing a media con, joint media conference in about half an hour, and he's just walked up to the media centre at least 40 minutes early. So that gives you a sense of how excited he is. I said, are you nervous to your big press conference? He's like, no, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I was like, yeah. I thought that might be the case. But um, <laughs> obviously, yeah, he's a leading-ranked player. He's world number 10 coming in. He was led, led at the halfway mark last year and unfortunately couldn't get it going on the weekend. But I think he's been asked about being the sort of the biggest threat quite a bit lately and it really doesn't bother him. He's played a lot of tournaments this year as the you know lowest-ranked amateur uh, or highest-ranked amateur, however you look at it. But he's, he goes into a lot of events now as sort of the big name in the amateur game as far as that goes. So And... I mean, we all know what he's like um, off the course and, yeah, super confident and none of that's going to worry him at all, you wouldn't think. So let's go through them, mate, just very briefly and your assessment of how they're looking and feeling and sounding about their chances. I know this is going to be sort of a little bit weird given when people are going to listen to this, but for right now, uh, you've spoken about Min Woo. 
David Michalusi is the next lowest ranked player. He is, yes. Uh, Dave, he had a, he's been all around the world this year. It's been quite incredible here, obviously. Um, he's got number 13 now, but he was in Europe. He went to the US. He ducked over to Fiji for his first pro tournament outside of Australia. And then he went back to the US for the US Amateur. And I think maybe there was a bit of a sense of he'd been globetrotting and maybe just fatigue caught up with him and couldn't bring his best stuff. But he's another one that, if he, uh, he was duking it out with Minwood at the start of the year for the honour of being Australia's lowest ranked amateur. And um, if he brings his best stuff, he'll definitely be in there in the mix on Sunday. So another Victorian, Zach Murray, is now the third ranked Australian amateur. Yeah, Zach, I'd say the unofficial captain of the team. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, He's definitely the Atmos guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, he's obviously been really strong and he's into, I think, world number 30. Um, He's the same thing. He's just talking about working his way around the course down at lunch. He's got his two iron that he loves. He's going to find a tee to hit that off, roll it around the corner, as he just said. Um, but yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, no, he should be, he should be right uh, this week as well. You'd think. And two Queenslanders, Shea Wolves Cobb and, and uh, Dylan Perry, uh, they're the next cabs off the rank. I'm really high on Dylan Perry's chances. I reckon he's mm. he's he's come off. Uh, Bit of a tumultuous season. Didn't have his best when he wanted it earlier in the year, but I reckon he's firing the last couple of times out. Does that look like it's true up there again? Yeah, well, he moved from New South Wales, didn't he, up to Queensland this year and obviously changed changed allegiances at the Interstate Series halfway through the year. He finished uh, runner-up, of course, last year at the British Amateur uh, in the UK. And, uh, I mean, to be able to pull out a performance like that tells you that um, it's a pretty serious game, so... Yeah, Shay's the same story. I mean, he was he came out last year in the first round and shot eight under, um, and we were leading by four, I think, after one round. So um, he couldn't get it going on the weekend. But he's another one that you know, if he can just find his best stuff, he'll uh, he'll hopefully be able to recreate what he did in the first round last year and then go on with it. And the last member of our team is Blake Winder, and last by ranking order, but a very much a comer in terms of what he could bring to this uh, event if he gets on a roll. Yeah, he's one of the three guys debuting at this tournament, him, Zach and Dave, the two Victorians as well. Uh, yeah, Blake's been there and thereabouts. Uh, obviously out of New South Wales for quite a few years now. and He's our lowest ranked, uh, or highest ranked, he's number 55 in the world, but that's not to be seized at all. Um, to have six guys in the top 55, we've actually got about uh, six, seven or even eight, I think, now inside that mark. But yeah, no, Blake, he's a serious game and... Yeah, he's another one. I mean, it's just great to have so many guys here that uh, any one of them could bob up. Hopefully they all make the cut and then can really make a run at it from there. And uh, hopefully we have the scenario where we've got two or three or maybe four of them going up against each other come Sunday afternoon. So we give ourselves a really good shot of getting someone into the Masters and the Open as well next year at Canoopy. And that's it. I mean, Blake, Blake Winner has got huge support from the Hunter Valley. It's awesome to see see all the people following him on social media and stuff. And he's a great young fella. Um the point that Justin touched on there, if they get in a role collectively, I think they really push themselves because mm. they all they all want to be the, the big dog. They don't want to let their mates win, but they've also mm. got a really good relationship with with each other and help each other out off the course. So it's a fascinating sort of... Um, mm. It's a moving feast mm. in terms of their mentalities, but uh, it's it's really... It's a great group of kids, and I'm really I'm excited for it. Mm. I hope by the time that people listen to this, we're right up and about. It's obviously quite an interesting, it's an interesting tournament like that. It's an individual event. They, obviously they come over here, they're all staying together, they're rooming together, um, they're going out playing practice rounds together. It is kind of a team event at the same time. And I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago where there was a couple of Aussies late in the piece 
going up against each other, but they sort of all point to each other at the same time. So they've all just walked off the course then, talking things through, tactics, what to hit off what tees and things like that. And they are, awesome. you can really tell that they are all good mates and they really are going to, you know, do everything they can to help each other play well, which is pretty cool to see. It's a very special event in that. I suppose players really crave to get to this event. It's, a, it's probably the biggest event in the region. No doubt. Uh, for Australians and anyone coming from all around Asia. And it's, I suppose it creates that atmosphere where just getting there is one tick of the box, one huge milestone, and then rallying around one another to try and get the opportunity for one of our Aussie blokes to um, head over to Augusta. It's pretty, pretty special. Huge prize. That's <laughs> I mean, awesome. It's, uh, it's awesome. And it's great to watch. It's a great, it's a great tournament to watch. We get it on the, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get yeah. TV coverage of it, you know, on Fox Sports back here. It's great to sit back and watch it. It's on Fox and it's also live streaming on the AAC websites. I think it's aacgolf.com. So everyone gets a chance to watch it and uh, encourage it wholeheartedly as they can potentially see Justin Falconer struggling in the 93% humidity around Sentosa. <laughs> Let's hope we do. Let's hope we do. Hey, we're all very envious of you being there and not us. 93% humidity is very, very generous, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enjoy the walk. Uh, do the right thing by those um, by those young Aussies over there, mate. Get one of them over the line for us, and we'll see when you get back. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Thanks, guys. Good on you, Justin Falconer, joining us. I'm, I'm pumped for that tournament, Andy. Uh, it's great to hear Justin excited about it. Um, there's so much on the line, as we mentioned, but just to recap, I mean, the Masters birth and a slot in the, in the Open Championship next year at Royal Port Rush. I mean, it's, just, it's one of the great prizes in world golf. So, you know, we've been talking about the, the value of things to different people, like the U.S., how they appreciate or don't appreciate the value of being in the Ryder Cup or the FedEx Cup, any of that sort of thing. On Sunday, when the whips are cracking here, this has got as much going on in any tournament you'll see anywhere because the boys all realise wholeheartedly what's on the line. Yeah. Um, good luck to them all. Uh, tough course. We've seen it on a number of professional events, and I think this will be the last hurrah for several of them uh, if they don't get the chocolates in terms of being amateur. So um, let's wait and see how that pans out. But this is do or die on so many levels. It's going to be great. Joe, there's more team golf going on um, in Asia this week, a little further north than Singapore, of course, and our women get a chance to to really – Really punch above their weight, I'd suggest. Yeah, the best of our, the best really uh, in the women's game will be descending on Jack Nicholas' uh, course in Korea, which I think was at the Asian M the year that Curtis Luck won. Correct. So, yeah, same, same course. They will be there this week, kicking off on Thursday. Our Aussies are in, in the mix. So, we've got Minji so Lee. UL Crown. UL Crown. Yes, yeah, sorry, I should have, should have framed that better. It's a teams event where the top eight countries uh, qualify based on the aggregate of their top four players mid-year. I think it's the third or second of, of June that qualifies through. So our top four Aussies that will be representing Australia will be Minji, Lee, Sarah-Jane Smith, Catherine Kirk and Sue O. Uh, they round out at number five. There's probably no surprise at who round out at number one. Have a guess, boys. So we'll the United States of... No, 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 no. no, no, no. It's the South United Korea, States of, of Korea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the United yeah. States of South Korea, who haven't won, interestingly. So this is the third edition. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So again... We speak, we've spoken a lot about chemistry. That's was the flavour of my two hours here in Inside the Ropes um, podcast here. But yeah, yeah. Um, the Americans won 
last time and the Spanish took out the inaugural. So, yeah, that team chemistry sort of really adds a, a, an extra layer layer here. Other than the Olympics, this is really the only other opportunity for the girls to, to represent their country. So it's a, it's a big deal, um, mixture of four balls and, and single match play head-to-head across the board and look forward to it. This is this, this is the one true chance where Australia can actually shine on the international team stage because we don't have a men's event like that. And, you know, all that we've, we've mentioned this before, there's no Asian or Pacific Rim involvement in an international women's team event. Uh, so it's, it's our one chance for our women to shine and also for, you know, to carry the, literally the Australian colours as opposed to the international team in the awesome. President's Cup. So it. it's going to be great. Yeah, and a few newcomers. Interestingly, Michelle Wee's never played in it when I was right? Like, yeah, interesting. And Georgia Hall will make her, her debut coming off the major win at the, the British Open. So, yeah, no, it's definitely um, worth a look for any golfing viewer. So there's a lot outside of it. I feel like I'm on a natural – I'm coming off the, the high of the Ryder Cup a little bit. So this week feels like a bit – but with those two tournaments to look forward to, it's easy come Thursday or whenever you're listening to this to kind of reignite – and there's one of the fun tournaments of the year, I reckon, the Dunhill Links mm. Championship over at St Andrews is always fun. And if you're a consumer of social media, it's annoying some of the people who have been <laughs> gearing up to play in this and just how much fun people like Kevin Peterson are having uh, around the world as they get themselves. He's a big listener of this podcast. Loves too. his podcast, mate. And I, I am like a – he's like a soul brother. Uh, his love – because he's relatively new to the game. But there's a few things that um, most of us around the world see eye to eye with KP on. Not everything, but, you know, his defense of um, animals, animals without guns yeah. in parts of the world is one of the ones that I think we all see eye to eye with KP on. And um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of half wishing the big lunatic, you know, well <laughs> this way. But it's, that's, and there's going to be heaps of Australians turning it up in that. I haven't got the entire number of them all, but it's always a bit of fun. A lot riding on it too. It is a fun event, but there is actually it's a it's a big prize money event, and with the dough on offer, um, a handful of guys that are going to really shape their twenty nineteen. True, yeah. and, and if we can get um, the Adam Blands of the world to have a good week, um, I think Jason Scrivener's done enough to nearly book his card again for next year, and we'd love to see. Our man Lucas Herbert just pick up another couple of slots on and get his slot in the Dubai World Championship. He's nice. only sixty fourth now. He's got to get up into the top sixty to get that job done. Uh, Who'd be betting w- against him right you now? You would not write him off. No, you wouldn't be betting against him. Speaking of Australians going well, um, we're trying to stay connected to what's happening up in Japan. It was great to have Karis Davidson on the show a couple of weeks ago up there. We had another young Australian who had a great week in Japan. Yeah, probably not so young anymore. He's just no, been. Yeah. It's just been. He's not there. You're right. He's been a sort of a off the radar for so long that it. it you know, we've almost. I don't mean this one, but we've almost forgotten about him being, you know, out there and blazing. But Wan Jun Lee, Sydney sider, who's plying his trade in in Japan, big second place finish last week. Uh, that's another huge achievement. He's doing really well along with the other guys who we've spoken about earlier in the year. Uh, we're really starting to punch pretty hard up there Andy mm. it's a great achievement from our guys mm. on that tour there's five or six to go to every week now for you know for good significant results it's all part of hashtag golden era Hazy <laughs> and Joe that's what it's all about um, there's something I do want to talk to you about before we finish up but if you, I want to get the housekeeping out of the way before we do so what have you got for us in that respect please well it, it is where no matter when and where you're listening to this it's golf month 
the the great golf month is upon us all, Andy. So I encourage everyone to uh, to get onto the website <laughs> golfmonth.com.au to find an activity near you. Um, it, it, we, we started it off officially this week. Some 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 big things going I on around media appearances. Yeah, and, uh, Tom Hawkins having ten year old kids trying to hit balls, <laughs> trying to pick up um, in the in the. Ball, ball collection cart was a particular highlight for me. It was stunning. Yeah. Uh, there, there's hundreds of activities um, at various clubs and facilities around the country. So get involved. And as you, our rusted on listeners here, um, we really appreciate that you love the game. And what we're trying to get you to do is to share the game you love with the people you love mm. and get them out and get them involved. So <laughs> golf month. Now, the other one is play nine. Now, people might be getting sick of me talking about this, but it's coming to a head very soon. I hope someone's taking notice of you. Oh, how could they not? Hey, even if they're getting getting sick, you can win a trip to Portrush. Oh, so I'm just not stealing your, your thunder here, Hazy, but, like, come on. Like, no, if you don't no, want to get involved with this, yeah, like, it is the ex- easiest sell. I wish I could play. Yeah, I'll bet you do. <laughs> You'd be immoral. What should uh, be our end of season trip? Our inside the ropes end of season trip. To Portrush? Yeah. Oh, how good would that be? I thought we were going yeah. to Tassie. yeah. Fit. We're sport for choices. Are we? We're going to go somewhere. Music to my ears too. Yeah. So that, that's golf.org.au forward slash play nine. Get your way to the Australian yeah. Open. Get your way to the Open. Mm. Cannot be any easier or better. Um, we're just about done, but uh, last Thursday, uh, there was a pretty special day um, down on the surf coast of Victoria, down at the Sands for the big fella. Um, and the rollout for the Jared Lyle Memorial what, what was superb, Hazy. It really was. Um, everyone's at various stages of the process of mm. being able to say goodbye and deal with it or not. So it's hard for me. I'm not speaking for everyone who was there, um, but I thought it was a fantastic opportunity to start celebrating his life. Obviously, there are a lot of incredibly touching moments. Um, how his six-year-old daughter, mm. Lucy, got up and spoke about keeping her father's memory alive with her younger sister is slightly beyond me. And I, that was the, um, that brought the waterworks on a little bit. Um, but some amazing speeches, uh, not least of which was from Kerry Fitzpatrick, his, his auntie, um, who was the palliative care nurse among many who nursed him down. Uh, that was, (laughs) all right, that was pretty gut wrenching too. Um, but yeah, Stephen Pitt spoke, Mm. Uh, Robert Allenby flew from the United States to speak. Um, a couple of his mates from Shepherd and spoke um, beautifully too, both of them, by the way. Some incredible stories. But there was enough to smile about, and I thought that was a, mm. a sign of hopefully where we can get to with this. Um, an amazing finish, Andy. I can't actually say it even on this podcast. But all the guests, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guests, were asked to reenact the famous uh three words that came out of Jared's mouth when he had his hole in one at Phoenix. Um, and that was, I've never been involved with where so many hundreds of people have sworn so blatantly. Yeah, yeah, it was quite extraordinary. Um, but that was a, while it was, you know, moving, it was pretty bloody funny, to be honest. And, and you can, honestly, I, as we were all yelling it out, you can see Jared's face looking down, pissing himself laughing. And I don't know what else, he, you know, he would have wanted. Can I just give a little shout-out to Mick Middlemo, uh, one of his old caddies? And there's a beautiful bit of vision that you can find, I imagine. I'm not sure how you're going to find it, but you can find it if you look up Mick's Facebook page or it's been all over the place. But for one last time, Mick, who's made of, he from, made from, made of tough stuff, Mick Middlemo. It takes a lot to get him, um, you know, sort of quivering a little bit. But he grabbed Jared Lyle's bag and for one last time, 
carried it down the 18th hole and um, somebody recorded that while he was doing it and it was a lovely bit of vision and a nice little way for him to finish his day. So. He, he was one of the speakers mm-hmm. and <laughs> he's a funny man, Mick Middlemo. <laughs> um, but he also, what he did on the Friday, Andy, there was a charity golf day at the Sands and he and Bryony, Jared's wife, stood on the first tee and gave people the chance to hit with Jared's driver. Mm. Um, and it, you could see what it meant to them both. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't flush mine with Jared's driver, but it was it was good experience. And you could see people really shot, take a shine to it straight away as you watch them pick up the stick. It was well, you it was connected quite, to, to connection. You are, yeah, 100%. And it, yeah. was, it was pretty moving. I mean, I can't say a sentence here without saying moving. So, you know, it's still it's going to be that way for a while, but... As I said, it's, it's it was a fitting way to sort of say goodbye collectively. Mm. With a bit of a celebration of a life mm. attached. Um, that's it. We're done. Uh, good to see you and Joey. Thanks for having me, boys. Anytime. Good to see you both too. Hazy, you're a good man. See you Cheers. Next time. That's Inside the Ropes. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, back to do it all again next week.